Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We have the most fabulous and special guest of all time. Tanya. I don't know about all that. <laughs> Tanya, Tanya, you are one of a kind. When when Michael was asking, they're like, how do I describe Tanya? I was like, as a star seed child of light and brilliance. <laughs> you know? Take it. I will take it. I would describe me in other terms that are expletives that I won't use on your podcast, but I will definitely take Starseed, child. That's great. Child of light. Child and of also light. A, a musician and an artist and one of the key activists and advocates for defund the police in Vancouver. Yes, I am um, a member of the Defund 604 network, which is a beautiful, creative, wonderful family network of human beings that are agitating and, like I said last night, aggravating City Council <laughs> in Vancouver about um, the ongoing calls to defund the police. Obviously, um, as we learned last night, public safety is a super complex uh, conversation, uh, and we as a network are trying to shift uh, public perspective and uh, perceptions of safety and try and encourage people to understand that we uh, have the skills, the abilities, we just need the resources to be able to respond uh, to harm and violence in our communities. Yes, yes. So last night, we this um, public safety conversation took place, which was um, instigated by Councillor Michael Weeb, who I started working for uh, last November uh, after the election. And um, he wanted to, he's bringing forward this motion on public safety after he um, amended uh, a motion to freeze the police budget, but did not vote to defund it further. And um, there was a lot of pushback from activists like Tanya saying, what's up? Why? What are you doing? Sure. <laughs> um, but then there was also pushback on him from the other side saying, like, you froze it, how dare you? And so uh, him and, and the other counselors are all in very complex positions because their role um, ostensibly is to listen uh, to the public and to mm -hmm. support everyone's voices. Um, but as we know, we live in a colonialist society where the status quo has been oppressing and harming everyone and, and Black, Indigenous, queer, disabled, and on and on, uh, people way more than others. And so we're here to flip the script. And the, the conversation last night was, was the, the buildup to it was making a lot of people nervous. A lot of people were going, what's going on? Why is Michael? Some people were nervous that Michael was bringing the conversation forward. Some people were nervous that Tanya was facilitating it. Oh, yeah. Um, but that was the brilliance of it, is that we're bringing these different voices into the room. And the conversation uh, is being guided by the other side, not the status quo, which is something... Yeah. Um, I thought was really important in some of the feedback, this, the, the feedback that we've been starting to get is, okay, well, you had these perspectives taking the lead uh, and, and maybe you, in, you didn't include enough of this perspective. And my perspective, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've had a certain perspective. Thank we've you. had a white perspective. We've had a male perspective. We've had this patriarchal capitalist perspective guiding us. And so when the conversation comes to public safety, which we recognize is not working, mm -hmm. we have to have the other, the other perspectives lead it. And we have to have the, the status quo perspective show up and listen. Their voice yes. is valid. We want to, we, we're here to listen to what they have to say. We're here to work with them. We're here to learn from them. 
mm-hmm. they're here to learn from us. Mm-hmm. Yes, a hundred percent. I feel like uh, we, when I think about uh, opportunities to speak to city council or to get engaged in um, local municipal policy, um, even from speaking, okay, speaking about the uh, motions that happened last year, for example, I, as a person, showed up with my little notes. I signed up to speak. I waited a bunch of hours. I had my five minutes uh, close to when my five minutes was done. I took a breath. And in that moment that I took a breath, I was cut off and my moment to speak was done. It's fine. I don't mind. But then on the flip side of that, when the police came to speak to the same issue, they were given 10 minutes and also allowed to play a video after their slot. So for me, last night's event was really about letting people finish their thoughts, letting people complete um, their feedback or their questions, or just allowing people to express um, the, full, the fullness of, of their, uh, their emotions. And we don't get that opportunity in municipal politics. It's very rigid. It's very, um, don't get me wrong. I love a little structure, but it doesn't allow for people to really hear each other or listen to each other. And I feel like last night was a great opportunity to, uh, like you said, provide uh, opportunity for the other side, for the other side. This is not a war for the, for the other perspective to lead. And like, as we move forward, as we keep agitating around, uh, you know, defunding the police and redefining public safety, it is imperative that the voices that we have centered up to this point, police chief Adam Palmer, all of, you know, the, the Vancouver police board, these people that we consider the, the experts on providing public safety must take a back seat. They must begin to listen to the communities that they're actually serving. Mm. No more reviews, mm. no more reports, just mm. listen to the people. Absolutely. You're bringing up so many juicy points. And I think that a a huge part of what came out of the conversation for me last night was this conversation can't be siloed. The conversation of systemic racism within public safety, that's a silo. We're recognizing that there's systemic racism everywhere. Like every structure that exists in our current society has been shaped by colonialism. And so when we're having these conversations, we have to step back and see the bigger picture. You know, when, when someone like yourself goes to city council and, and shares, you're, you're sharing your opinion and you're trying to make change within the structure. And what, we're, what we were trying to do last night and what we're going to keep doing and expanding upon moving forward is shifting the structure. Is, mm-hmm. is creating new spaces for these conversations to happen because it's all well and good to, to reach out to quote unquote diverse folks and ask for their opinions. <laughs> but when you're asking for their opinions within the structure, it's just going to keep reinforcing the structure. We need to move away from the structure and let other people guide us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree any more with you. I feel so much for folks who are working within the system, who are uh, marginalized outside of it, you know, outside of the, outside of just your job title. If you are a, per, a black person, an indigenous person, uh, uh, somebody who's living with a disability, working within the system, um, it's really difficult. It's really difficult, if not impossible, in many situations, to be your true self 
or to hold people accountable when they are deviating from the path. If you're the only lone voice, this is why when people are like, hey, are you going to run for city council? I'm like, not if I'm the only black person on it. That would suck. I don't want to have to educate everybody about the basics, you know? And when you look at things like the special uh, committee on the review of of the police act, they are starting from the basics. Like some people on that panel don't understand that systemic racism does exist. Some people don't get that we have racial challenges, quote unquote, Gary Begg, in BC. So yeah, I mean, I feel for, for people that are trying to agitate and make change within the system, but I'm so grateful for people like you and for people like me and the Defund Network and Black Lives Matter and people who are uh, interacting with the system, but organizing outside of it because we need to for our own safety. For our own safety, yeah. And, and for efficiency and for, because we, I think a lot of us get caught up in the dismantling and and the and and focusing our energy on like this is wrong this is bad and like what else are we supposed to do it's wrong and it's bad <laughs> um but it's reactionary right and so my intention for myself is always to to balance my energy with the dismantling and the rebuilding and and recognizing that even sometimes getting caught up in the dismantling is is a trap of colonialism yes. and white supremacy <laughs> yes what can we build mm-hmm what can we nurture? Because what can these we support? Are yeah. Down. These systems are coming down, whether it's, it's by, you know, I think about climate change all the time and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we step back and we go like, what's the world going to look like in a couple decades at a certain point, if, if we remain on this trajectory, which we're both doing everything in our power that we don't remain on this trajectory, <laughs> in this timeline. but you know, if, if we are to, to carry on this way at some point, these things are all going to crumble because mother earth is saying enough and it's just mm-hmm. going to wash away. And all we will have left is each other and mutual aid and community care. Um, so we need to be building these structures that people can step into. We need to be holding the vision of what, um, what the new world world looks like. And so, so a question that I had for you that I was reflecting on after the conversation, because we had all of these wonderful people there last night Um people advocating for sex workers and those struggling with drug addiction and unhoused folks. Um, And and then we also had folks from the business associations and the community policing centers, but we didn't have anyone from the actual police there. And perhaps uh, they were there watching, but no no one speaking. And there was conversations around the police in the chat, but not really we were focused on on all of the other aspects and so my question to you was were the police the elephant in the room or were they just obsolete to the The police are not important the police yeah they're a violent mob of murderers but like they don't actually provide safety that's why they were not featured in the conversation we don't we don't need to hear from them what we need to hear is like, what actually makes you feel safe? And actually, when we think, when we look at uh, all of the feedback that we received last night, not one person, not one person came forward and said, police make me feel like I'm safe. They said food, they said housing, they said safe space, they said parks, they said access to 
uh, health care. They said free education. They said anti-racist education. None of those things are provided to us by the police. In fact, we pay, the po- we pay for the police to have access to those things. And I think that that is, I, I was not surprised to see that people are over talking about them. Mm. We don't need to talk about them. If we keep talking about them, we'll keep needing them. Mm-hmm. So if we keep dreaming together and keep thinking about, okay, what's past this? What's next? In, a, in, our, in our, if we could be the best version of ourselves in this community, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad and proud that that took precedence over what the police are doing, who the police are, who they represent, like that's not important. And also you can hear that conversation at City Hall anytime. Yeah. Yeah. And yet we live in a society where they're so deeply entrenched. They're getting how much of our city budget? Like a third? Uh, 21%. Okay. So which fifth, is, or a fifth of the budget goes to the police. Whoa. Yuck. 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 That's an immense amount of money. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting because I could... You know, as a, as, as a white person, I've been through many layers of, of my understanding and the defund the police conversation um, was one that I was aware of before the George Floyd protests last summer um, and that I was engaged with, but um, continue to discover deeper layers of understanding. And last mm-hmm. night provided more layers for me um, because my context of safety um, is rarely in question. And, and so I don't have that in bodied experience to to have that constant knowing of of that structure of reality it's something that that i'm learning through through working with people like you and and educating myself and so on um and so i understand how people don't understand because i've Mm. been in that space um but i felt like it was just so obvious last night and that it's it's getting clearer and easier for people to see the bigger picture and and thoughts that have been coming up for me are like DUIs, you know, someone like the, the right to mobility and, mm-hmm. and someone struggling with trauma who's, who, who has a drinking problem, who, who, who doesn't have the support that they need and they get a DUI and that's, that's a system that's built in. They're, they're drinking under the influence, they're endangering them, themselves and people and we, we don't want that. That is, a, that is a really bad thing that we do not want in the society. How it's set up right now is the police deal with it. They come in and they punish them and they penalize them and they take away their mobility. Mm-hmm. Like what would it look like if instead of, instead of punishing them, we, we rehabilitate them? And, and punishment, you know, that's, that's a trigger word, I'm sure. And we can unpack that another time. Mm-hmm. But we have to look at different ways of how we, how we guide and shape behavior because right now it's just stigmatized and it's criminalized and it's shut down and people are put away and not given the opportunity to heal and and someone who's wealthy who gets a dui they're going to be fine they can they can hire a driver or they can pay for ubers or what have you but someone who's low income who's already dealing with the impacts of the system if that's taken away from them, it's, it's like a house of cards. All of a sudden, all these other things are going to tumble. And, and what does that lead to? And then maybe they're the person out on the street acting what we call crazy, endangering other people, and then they get shot. Yeah. And that's it for them. 
because the system was never set up to support them in the first place. 100%. And this is the paradigm shift that, that we're having as a society is people waking up to this and stepping back because we've just had these blinders on or privileged folks. And, and that's, you know, the, the capital white supremacy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because lowercase white folks, some, some of them have gone through their whole lives understanding this and being impacted in different ways. And anyways, so that's just, there's so much to the conversation that needs to be um, parsed and, and, and we're hoping to have the next time to talk on, on language so we can start digging in to do all of these different complexities because even the word police is so heavy and policing people are like oh community policing centers they might be a good thing we're not sure yet but like is the word police in the title okay or is it yeah. something that has to go i personally i think if we can move away from encouraging people to police their own communities uh that would be really great i think that shifting from criminalization to care is imperative and we see that shift happening or that understanding blossoming uh, within certain circles. But I think uh, there's, yeah, I'm really glad that your next one is going to be about language because um, we see how um, when people have the tools to describe their experience when people have the words and the um, a way to um, express what they truly mean, community policing centers, I don't think that that's what we mean. Mm. <laughs> I think that if we really backed up and looked about what, what, what does our community, what can this space provide? I think about, um, there are, I'm saying this, and I'm, I'm admitting that I'm wrong, okay? I'm admitting that I've learned some things. I have learned that some community policing centers do incredible work, or at the very least, they are trying to. Um, hearing from um, Norm Leach, who spoke from the Aboriginal Community Policing Center, I was like, okay, okay, this model could work if we, one, adequately resource them, two, stopped tying them to the, the Vancouver Police Department and give them the opportunity to actually respond to the community instead of reporting crime. Uh, yeah, I mean, a community policing center could be a community care hub. Mm. It's just shifting the language, the understanding, the knowledge, and, and empowering people to understand what an incredible role they can play in providing safety to the community. Yes, I felt that. I felt, you know, throughout that conversation last night as it bubbled up in the chat, people talking about community policing centers and then Aaliyah coming on at the end with a bit of a hot spot <laughs> on them. And I felt, I felt, I felt for her. <laughs> I'm not gonna front, I have a problem. Uh, mm. I have a problem with my face. Um, I can't help it. When my face will see, hear something that is like, what? It just reacts. And so there were a couple of moments when Aaliyah was talking where I was just like, wow. I mean, not in a negative way against them. Just like, we have a very different understanding of what you do. Mm. And I think that 
that, again, coming back to storytelling, like community policing centers have to tell their story better so that we can, one, understand the immense amount of pressure they're under, if they are, and as a community respond to that. And two, um, the other thing that's really hard to understand is how they, what they really do and how they make that work with money from the police in the city. And yeah. like, that's something that was coming up last night. People were like, and I was like, whoa, this is a whole other conversation, y'all. And I'm here for it. I'm Absolutely. here for it. Well, the thing, the thing with all of these, these bureaucratic structures is there's almost no transparency. And so information isn't accessible. And Aaliyah said it herself that, that they're confused by what, but the, the, the exact mechanisms of community policing centers, even the person who's representing them is like, I'm not quite sure. There's a yeah. disconnect. Yeah. Man, such an opportunity though. Now such that this, now that there's, this has all been, you know, exposed. Again, like, what do we do next? Mm. What do we do next? Let's, you know. Well, we're going to make this a monthly meeting, right? Like a monthly public safety working group for the city. <laughs> I'll just add it to the other thousand working groups I'm in. <laughs> well, here's the thing, you know, talking about community policing centers and looking at them and you're like, these are our leaders, right? And a lot of them are probably traumatized and need to mm. be healed and decolonized. But you and I, like, you're, an, you're a leader in this work and you're doing incredible work. Thank you. And yet... I want you to have the resources to make music full time <laughs> and, and not just the resources to make music full time. I want you not to have the burden of like having to do this work and this, this advocating. And while there's so much beauty in this experience that we're sharing and this work that we're doing, I mean, I'm just, I'm projecting onto you because I feel so much personal frustration about yeah. having this work because I never wanted to get into politics. And I mm -hmm. like, all the time, I'm like, I don't want to. This is sucks. I hate this. this but the world, world is. Be in. <laughs> but the world is like so bad. Like, what else am I gonna do? I can't just like carry on with with the other aspects of my life and not attend to the f many many fires. Mm hmm. I like to when I get frustrated about the fact that I'm not, you know, always being as creative as I want to because I'm you know, seemingly obsessed with what's happening uh, in our city and beyond. I remember that um, all of the things that I'm learning will make it into whatever I'm going to make. Absolutely. And uh, for me, uh, music has always been about doing a bunch of learning, amassing it, putting it all on wax and then putting it into the world. So I see this as, as like, you know, uh, research mm. or whatever project, whatever artistic endeavor comes next. Mm. Trust, you'll hear about the police a lot in it. Trust, you'll hear about how messed up politics is. Trust, you're gonna hear about global rebellion and homelessness and poverty it'll make its way in there so whenever i yeah whenever i get frustrated about i could be doing other things i just remember that like this is the inspiration that makes those other things happen so 
take it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that reminder. You're it welcome. Is, you know, and that's, it's, it's where we're at. And if, if you believe in this sort of thing, you know, we incarnated in, in this time to, to walk this, this path and to fight these battles. Although that's speaking of language, something that I want to unpack the language of war. Yes. <laughs> and how, like you, you spoke earlier to like, oh, the other side is like, wait, no, we're all on the same side. <laughs> This is the thing. We're all the same, 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 same. We're all the same. There is no other side. There is no away. There is no get out or get off or leave here. Where are you going to go to, especially in Canada? Where, where will you go? This is it. This is it. There's nowhere else to go. I think the other day we were like, I mean, maybe New Zealand, but like, no. <laughs> you know, right after that conversation, I spoke with my friend in New Zealand. She's like, you know, we have a lot of gangs here. And I was like, you're bursting my bubble. <laughs> There's a lot of gangs in New Zealand? Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is just like information from, you know, offhand information. I don't have actual statistics, but the nowhere is perfect. Everywhere has problems. We're all exactly. traumatized by colonialism in every corner of the world. Even the corners who like managed to maintain like the, the fires are still burning in their backyard. So exactly, exactly. And this is the other thing that, uh, that I'm always remembering too, especially when I'm dealing with um, white people that don't, seem to get it and i'm like you don't even understand that you have been robbed too yeah one day you will wake up and you will realize that you are being robbed too Mm -hmm. and when that day comes i don't know i'm gonna feel real bad because the rest of us have already recognized and realized and I, i i i encourage everybody to just continue learning and growing and moving towards the future with or without whoever's choosing not to do that work. Yeah. We can't waste all of our time specifically on the internet, educating people through the comments. Don't do that. That's not crap. your job. That's it's not your work. That's not the work. Yeah. The work is to learn, to build community, to grow with each other and to recognize the truth, which is we're all the same unless you're not to show (laughs) (laughs) but there are no others you know this this separation the separation that we experience um is a is a byproduct of of colonialism uh a lot to do with the english language with the languages that we speak that we think that there is something called nature or environment (laughs) or you you know like none of that is that's all just like constructs that have been created and you know every um Oh my God, brain scientists will tell you this. <laughs> what are they called? Neuro- Neuroscientists? <laughs> Neuroscientists, yes, 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 yes. They'll tell you, you know, like we, we were building the separation in our brain. Yeah. It is not an actual, um, it is not actually part of reality. And um, that's something that I've been learning as I'm starting to study indige- indigenous language and indigenous teachings. You're like, oh, right, it's, that's why that's why it was different or that's why you know that's what the the wisdom that's being held there is that you know trees are our ancestors and we are all relatives yes and i feel really heartened by where we are you know on on the squamish on the musqueam and the Tsleil-Waututh territory 
um, learning from those folks, learning with those folks and, and taking their guidance and, and being in a space where on the West Coast, we, we have a different dynamic here. And I, I really believe and hope that we can continue to work together and that the business folks and the community policing center folks and even the police, you know, they, they will have a role. Like they, they, there's heal, there's so much healing that needs to be done there. Mm-hmm. There's so much trauma that needs to be unpacked. I have no idea what that looks like, but while we're saying like, okay, they don't have a part in this conversation, they do and they will. And there are paths that need to be navigated there that we, we don't have the groundwork yet. Um, but I really believe that on these lands that we can be, uh, an example and an inspiration for, for the rest of the world. I believe that too. I believe that too. BC, uh, we are, we're different than the rest of our fellow nation. Mm-hmm. And I think about, you know, California, Washington, they're different, yeah. you know, and we have such a great, um, a great, base in terms of, you know, some of the incredible uh, organizing that's happening on a community level between community members, coming to an understanding and coming to a place where people can recognize and understand the truth of like what it is to be here. And I think uh, part of that building of relationship is going to inspire a lot of healing outside of the community Mm -hmm. so right now people don't feel like the cops are part of the community and there's a reason for that Mm -hmm. if you hire a bunch of people that live outside of the city to police the city why would they feel like a part of the community so hopefully um what's happening on a community level will help you know the systems to to change themselves to understand that oh you know what for community by community maybe we should like you know invest in people who care about the neighborhood to you know help to shift uh to shift public safety in a in a in a way that really responds to it so yeah i see i see this is just such a it's a obviously crappy time in a lot of ways as we, you know, re- reel from everything that's happening, but there's so much incredible opportunity mm. if you're willing right now. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. As our as our friend Maddie dropped in the chat last night, there's no justice, there's just us. Yes! God, I love Maddie so much. What a good soul. Oh. Yo, I'm, I'm really sorry, it's 11.59. It's time for you to go to your next meeting. You are doing incredible work. Thank you so much for making the time to have this conversation today. Um, You can find Tanya all over the internet. Um, They have a podcast called The Living Laboratory. Their music is on SoundCloud and Spotify. Uh, They're very active on Twitter. Go follow Tanya on Twitter at Tanya Aganaba. Um, We'll put the the links and the notes in the in the in the place where they go on the internet in the bio i don't know <laughs> thank you for being here i love you thank you thank you i love you thank you so much for having me and to all of you who are listening be safe love each other don't be a racist peace peace <laughs>